Innes Forgettance is a folk fantasy podcast set in an alternate Appalachia and faraway Celtic fort. You can help support me and this story by sharing it with your friends, posting on social media, or by clicking the link in the description to buy me a coffee. I'm glad you joined me this week, and stay safe out there in the woods. Brana and Elga in the past. Gusty island winds threatened to blow Brana into the choppy sea. She teetered down the rocky Inniskelig beach, arms stretched straight, eyes fixed on the delicate, uprooted flower tenuously trapped in a grike, just barely out of reach of the hungry waves. Hold on, little beauty. I'm coming for you. Her determination must have angered the capricious wind. It hit her with a terrible bluster, so her ample frame wobbled. One small foot slipped into a grike. Sharp rock bit into her ankle. Brana yelped and tumbled down. She lifted her gaze, hands and knees rippling with pain, sand-colored hair flipping and flailing like flames, and giggled. Take your ire elsewhere, wind. Your anger isn't for me. Crawling now, Brana pressed forward. Her ruddy linen tunic stretched and scraped under her knees. She'd need another one after this. Grandmother would scold her once she returned to fort, but the stunning purple orchid didn't deserve such a fate as drowning. She heaved a happy sigh when she reached it, daintily lifting the pyramidal bloom from the grike. The stem was limp, Broken halfway down, Brana's own torso ached in empathy. "'Tis no matter, sweet. I can heal you." Brana! She scrambled to her feet, shielded her eyes from the summer light, and searched the steep incline that led back toward the tiny, craggy island. Her gaze panned over the large ship, surrounded by smaller fishing vessels, all swaying down the cliffside from their great stone fort, searching across the flat land until she spotted them, two silhouettes like tiny pillars. Jala, she whispered. Jala's voice rode the wind all the way from the top of the cliffs. Had Grandmother grown so worried that she felt she needed to bring the messenger to call out for her? Brana cupped the limp orchid close to her breast with one hand and stretched the other arm high. She hurried across the stony beach, at intervals crouching down against a sudden burst of wind, keeping a low profile as she ascended the rocky incline. When she finally reached the top, she flashed a hopeful smile at the two women who loved her most. Brana tried to catch her breath. You didn't need to bring the messenger, Grandmother. Save Jala's voice for tribal proclamations. 
Grandmother crossed her arms, her long gray braid draped over her shoulder. Your unlocking has not unlocked your own obedience, apparently. Jala laughed, and even that lilting sound danced all the way to the horizon. Elga, be soft on the dear young woman. We all must answer the call of our unlocking, and Brona does so beautifully. It won't be so beautiful if she crashes off the cliffs while chasing after an injured godwit. The story of your demise is not a story I want to keep. So macabre, Elga. Jala placed a gentle hand on Brana's shoulder. There, what is it today? Brana carefully tilted her cupped hand to reveal the conical purple bloom. Pride and wonder swelled from her heart and rippled out from her body. The flower's petals danced in response. A pyramidal orchid! Jala beamed. A great hawk swooped down for a mouse, and this poor thing got caught in the talons, ripped from the soil, said Brana. It called to me from high in the clouds. Forgive me, Grandmother, but I had to answer. At this, Grandmother softened, relinquishing the stately mantle of Storykeeper. When Grandmother took Brana into her arms and held her tight, the joy that bubbled from Brana's heart radiated the glowing pink aura around them both. You're my dearest. Grandmother stroked Brana's hair and whispered into her ear, the purest soul on Inniskelic. There is nothing I wouldn't do to protect you. Brana relaxed in the safe embrace of the only family she'd ever had and knew more than she knew anything that grandmother meant it. Elga tucked Brana's arm under her own and patted her hand. Brana may have possessed the form and figure of a young woman come of age, but her body encased the spirit and sensitivity of the most innocent child. Fort life was often noisy and loud, and her granddaughter needed protection. Today, it was Patrick and Finian, arguing over some trade. Brana gave love. No, gave was too meek a word. Brana spilled out, spurted out love without reservation, and drank it up with equal eagerness. Plump cheeks would bunch up with the strength of an oncoming smile, shoulders rising to her ears with delight she never, ever tried to contain. At Brana's unlocking, the timing of which was determined by Mara, the star speaker, and for Brana occurred at the age of 14, her proclivities only became stronger and stranger. Elga had checked her ancient memory and found no one like Brana had been born to their tribe before. So they called her a speaker to the earth, she could hear the call and cry of the natural world, and her empathy and love for every life around her soared. This, apparently, was her unique and, to Elga's mind, somewhat impractical gifting. All of the tribe could see the joy emanating from Brana in a soft, glowing pink. Were her feelings to grow any stronger, 
Kara the soul shepherd had said when Brana was but a child, I dare say they may manifest, take on a life and form of their own. Elga had smiled, it was true, the tiniest breath of beauty or joy hit her granddaughter with the force of a gale. The smallest hint of hatred struck her even stronger. But she never told Kara that. Never told anyone. Brana had been that way since babyhood. Goodness, was that nearly 18 years ago. And Elga took great care to balance her granddaughter's fort life so Brana could share in love, connection, and beauty and encounter as little of her people's pain and ill will as possible. Not an easy balance to strike. Elga leaned her head from one shoulder to the other, suddenly mindful of the ache in her shoulders. Brona! Friend! Friend! Little Aelis charged toward them, yanking her younger brother along behind her. We heard you answered another call today. Brona brightened, Passing the blossom to Elga, she knelt to receive the children in a tight hug. Yes, yes, and wait until you meet him. He is truly a brave bloom. Will this one live with me? Aelis jumped up and down. Her little brother Cormac spun in circles with excitement. <laughs> we'll see, Brana giggled. I'll heal him first and see what he tells me. The warmth in Elga's heart nearly stung at the sight. When Brana was among children, she was undeniably among her own kind, no matter her age or stature. A reunion of kindred spirits, she thought. But Brana's a woman. She cannot live in the world of children forever. Not like this. Can we help you plant him? said Aelis. Oh, please. Brana cast Elga a pleading look. Grandmother? Elga pursed her lips and nodded. The children's delighted squealing thawed Elga's rumination as they approached the wattle and daub hut she and Brana shared. Elga smiled. Every visitor to their dwelling place reacted in a similar fashion. Although no larger or smaller than other Innis tribal homes, Brana's signature love made the place more spectacular than a bright summer sky for its rooftop was crowded with a rainbow of flora. As Brana had replanted every damaged blossom that called to her spirit in its thatched roof. Alice darted closer, pointing to every plant she recognized and greeting them by name. Brana took little Cormac by the hand and led him around the periphery, her mouth twisted in thought as she searched for a resting place for her latest acquisition. Sometimes Elga followed them, quietly basking in their innocent conversation. This time she went inside and gasped. Morna, she said, how did you get past the fort watch? The Yerdet tribe's priestess sat on Elga's own stool. Morna hadn't yet lost her striking beauty to age, but she struggled to her feet leaning on an intricately carved walking stick as though one hip pained her dreadfully. If my Aoife was alive, Elga thought, would the claw marks of age be shown in her body by now? I told your locksmith, Aben, it was a matter of continued island peace. Morna stepped closer. 
a proposition for my old friend, Elga, in the name of Ifa and Borin. Elga turned her head as though Morna had smacked her across the cheek. You used my dead daughter and son-in-law's names to cross into our fort. She clenched her jaw and her gums throbbed with the pain of loose molars. How dare you? Ifa was my soul friend. Tribal differences and land disputes aside, my soul friend. Coal-black eyes flashed. Were it not for your chief Turla's declaration of division in the wake of their deaths. Murder, Elga said. Murder at the hands of a Yerdat. Were it not for your chief, I would still be able to cross into fort to visit you. I am more than Yerdat. I'm, I'm Aoife's soul friend, and I have missed you deeply, Elga. She fingered the tail end of her mouse-brown braid, a nervous habit Elga remembered even all these years later. I have missed you as well, Elga swallowed. For that brief time between their death and Turla's proclamation, we became like family. Remember? Clinging to one another? Me with my son, you with Brona. My fondest hope is that we would be family, true family. Speak plainly, Morna. I haven't the patience for riddles. Morna sighed and limped a step closer. Kerpa hasn't found a wife within the tribe, and Brona's reputation for reclusiveness goes far beyond the Innes Stone Fort. I imagine you, too, desire for her the protection of a life partner. Elga stilled. My desires are none of your concern. They used to be friends, despite their age difference. Kerba always had a special protectiveness for Brona. Morna's face lit with the thought of happier times, even as relations between our tribes crumbled and the land disputes grew more frequent. Kerba and Brona could be seen playing, fighting. She indulged in a short laugh. They resolved conflict better than our leaders ever could. Imagine. Elga shook her head. Starry-eyed nonsense. Kerba has had his pick of any young woman in his tribe. Why would he choose Brona? I love my granddaughter, but she will require a great deal of care and patience from a man. Something most men will not give but to a woman of exceptional beauty. Brona is reasonably lovely but her maintenance far outweighs her beauty. I will find her husband from within our tribe. Kerba can care for her better than any Innes man, precisely because he knows her better than any Innes man. Before now, to consider their union was out of the question, what with her being six years younger and barely more than a girl. But now Brona is a woman, and six years is no scandalous difference. She twisted her walking stick into the gritty ground while she spoke and bit her lip. Besides, who else knows her sensitivities like he and I do? Anger flashed in Elga's chest. Aoife <laughs> trusted me with the secret. Something I've long regretted on her behalf. She seethed at the memory. 
I urged her not to speak until we had greater understanding. I've never told a soul, but Morna's face was earnest, honest. Kerba could protect her better than any innocent man, precisely because he knew her so well. And as I said to Aben, this could be the beginning of true island peace. Elga bit back a pained smile. The woman's desire for her child's security was all too relatable. You're desperate. Yes, agony sparkled in Morna's black eyes. I had three more children after Kerba, after the tribal alliance fractured. Did you know that? Elga shook her head. Why the gods made me barren for so many years, only to open my womb when my prime was fading, I'll never understand. But three more babies they gave me, and three they took away. The gods ground my heart into tiny bits like grain under the millstone. Kerba is my only living offspring, my last chance to continue our line. Desperate, yes, I am desperate, but so are you. She lifted her chin. Kerba is the only male that Brana would ever allow into her pure, private world. You protected her too much, Elga, shuttering her world all your life. Yet now you expect her to magically expand her horizons and open up to a man when she's never felt safe in the company of anyone other than children or yourself. Silence. Rage boiled over. Elga straightened, towering over Morna. You know nothing of my relationship with Brona. You will not come into our fort, into my home. Speak of my dead daughter, disparage my granddaughter, and chastise me. You say you want this for our families, for our tribe, more than anything, yet you ruined it with your foolish mouth. Elga strode to the opening of the hut. Leave my home. Morna straightened, her features cooling back into the impassive face of a priestess, but a trickle of pain still twinkled in her eyes. She hobbled toward the entrance and outside, but whispered as she passed, You and I, we are each other's only chance. Think about it, please, Elga. The Harvest Festival is coming in a matter of weeks. The Innes Forgettance was written, narrated, and produced by me, Leah Noel, with special appearance by David Walker. The original song, Beware the Never Seen, was written, composed, and performed by Georgia musicians Miles Landrum and Lorelei. You can find links to more of their excellent music in the show notes. Sound effects came from the kind folks at freesound.org. You can follow this podcast with behind the scenes and more on Instagram and TikTok at Leah with a pen.
Conjure all the light within you for to fill.